Now, don't you like how when Jeff's here, they always have this big bumper video and, you know, the nice music and the dramatic effects and Jeff comes out and he's the big man and I get to carry my own table. <laughs> uh, hey, I love you guys. I love being here with you on Sundays. I look forward to this every week. This is not a... Uh, this is not a drag. I hope it's not a drag for you. I hope it's never a drag for you. This is something I look forward to experiencing every week, and um, especially these last two weeks where I get to share with you. Um, there's a lot of stuff in here, and a lot, of <laughs> a lot of times I get so built up and and just need to get some of it out. Sometimes I know I go a little uh, a little heavy, and I'm sorry. I know some of you, when you looked up here and you saw me, you went, oh, this is should have, this week I should have taken off. <laughs> but uh, I, I enjoy this time with you. I enjoy spending this time with you. So today, before we start, I want to read to you a prayer from Ephesians chapter 1. And this is a prayer that I want to pray for all of us. And you'll see it on the screen here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. The Apostle Paul prayed these words over the church at Ephesus. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people. That's my prayer for you today. That God would enlighten the eyes of your understanding. That you would understand the hope that is within you as an inheritance for Him. So last week we talked about boundaries. And I've got my little reminder fence over here. Um, just to, to give us an idea, I'm, I'm not going to go all the way through what we did last week. We're not going to do a full review there. I uh, just want to remind you that we talked about this very important fact that God's, um, God's modus operandi is to transform chaos into order. And out of God's order comes life. And when we violate God's boundaries, we mess up a godly order, and the result of that is death. If you didn't hear that message, I'd encourage you to just, you can contact them at the connection point out there and they can tell you how you can get a hold of a copy of that message. Uh, some of that will be a foundation for what we're going to talk about today. <clears throat> I want to continue on. Just so, so that you all have an understanding with the topic of boundaries that has been on my heart for months and I've been waiting for the opportunity to share this, there's a lot more than I could possibly touch in these few weeks that I've had. So I know some of you have uh, already talk to me about some ideas that you had about boundaries and some, some great concepts that I've heard from some, several of you. But I feel like there's a message here that we all need to hear that, uh, that God wants to deliver to us. And I hope that's what we're going to get. I hope we're going to get a message from the throne of God that, uh, that matters to our lives and to our hearts. So in the big picture, I think we all get it, that God has set up boundaries. And when we honor His boundaries, good things happen. When we violate his boundaries, bad things happen, and there's there's bad to come from it. And ultimately, uh, I think there's a strong case to be made in the Bible for the fact that when we violate God's boundaries, we really open ourselves up all the way to the point of death. But let's you and I be honest about it. While we can talk about that in grandiose, big picture terms, that's the kind of thing you're supposed to talk about when you're 
on the stage talking on Sunday morning on church and everybody out there is supposed to go, yeah, that's right, preacher brother, that's, that's the right thing. But there's always a Monday every week, isn't there? We all get up on Monday morning and we have to go to work or school or go about our lives, whatever it is. And when the rubber really hits the road, when the temptations come, when the obstacles come, when the trials come, the tribulations, whatever they are, some of the stuff we talk about on Sunday just becomes for us talk. And it doesn't always translate into victory day to day. And that's what I'd like to address a little bit today because I think if we can get our minds around this somewhat, it's not just about mental knowledge, but that's, where, that's one of the places that it starts. If we can get our minds around it, if we can get our hearts bought into it, our lives really should be different. And I believe our lives can be different. I can tell you that I desperately want my life to be different than it is in terms of my daily walk with Christ, in terms of the manifestation, the revelation of His glory working in me. I want it to be different than it is. And I would hope that that's where you are. Now, you may be here today and, and that's not where you are. And you're, you're here because you're just checking this whole thing out. That, that's, that's perfectly valid. What I, what I would say to you is, I think God is worth trying out. I think God can handle your, your hard questions. And I would encourage you, if you have tough questions to ask God, don't be afraid of those questions. Don't feel guilty for asking the tough questions. God can handle it. He wants your mind to be challenged, and He wants those overriding questions in your head to be answered. But He wants to do it in such a way that it, it points you to the glory that He has for you. It points you to the boundaries that He has set up for you. And as we talked about last week, the boundaries are not meant to hold us down. The boundaries that God put in place are meant to free us up. They're meant to give us life. They're meant to put us in a place where we can walk out life to its fullest. And when we violate those boundaries, we don't unknowingly we hold ourselves down and we hold ourselves back. So, in order for us to fully understand what's going on here, we need to go back to Genesis chapter 4. And um, last week, you remember, we talked about how God demonstrated His process of transforming chaos into order and thus producing life. You remember also that if, you, if you're going to continue on the story there in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, Adam and Eve were placed in the Garden of Eden. And they had the opportunity in the Garden of Eden to live in unity with God. And they violated God's boundary. And you remember, they, they ate of the one tree that they were not permitted to eat of. They had the entire rest of the garden. But they chose to go after the one and only tree that God said you couldn't go after. And when they did that, something profound happened. Sin entered into the world. That's a little three-letter word that's worse than a four-letter word, <laughs> we don't like to talk about sin. It's a word that just doesn't get discussed very much in church because it, all, it makes all of us uncomfortable. And as a matter of fact, if you walk around out there in your workplace or at school or in society out there wherever you happen to be and you talk a lot about sin, you're bound and determined to be labeled as a radical. Probably some Christian right-winger who's ready to send the fertilizer truck over somewhere or something. I don't know. The, the topic of sin is not something that you and I should run from. It's something that we should uh, run headfirst into. 
we need to talk about this topic a little bit. So all of you right now are going, oh gosh, really? (laughs) All right, Adam and Eve sinned. They violated God's boundary. And another way to say violate the boundary of God is to say sin. They sinned. And when they did that, Scripture teaches that they opened up all of mankind to the power of sin. All of mankind from Adam and Eve forward is subject to the power of sin. But there's good news to be had. If we go to if you want to turn there, you can turn in Genesis chapter four. I'm going to begin with verse one. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right... Sin is crouching at the door, at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now get this concept. Cain and Abel, equal brothers. They had been schooled by their father. They had been taught by Adam and Eve how to offer an offering to God. Cain wanted to offer the offering that wasn't acceptable to God. Abel offered a godly offering. Well, Cain got mad about it. And God gave him a warning. He said, Cain, sin desires to master you. It's crouching at the door, ready to pounce on you. And I have this, this picture of a tiger just waiting behind the door. You walk through the door and sin's... Rawr. You like that? <laughs> sin is trying to take you over. Sin's trying to capture you. It's trying to master you. It's trying to consume you. It's a real force in the world that you and I have to reckon with. And we don't want to talk about it. And I think by not talking about it, sometimes we don't give ourselves the mechanism that it takes for us to properly deal with it. And then notice what God said. He said, but you must rule over it. You must master it. He gave Cain that warning. And then we, do you know the rest of the story? Cain ultimately killed his brother Abel the first murder listed in the Bible. But God warned him, and God's warning us. Sin is crouching at the door, trying to consume you. Sin wants to take you over to master you, but you must rule it. Now, for most of us, when we start having this kind of conversation, there's already something going on in our mind. We're already aware of what that weakness is in our lives. Or maybe we're aware of a vast array of weaknesses. And God's saying, you better deal with it. Don't run from it. Don't live in denial. Sin wants to take you over. You rule. You master. That's your role. So when Adam and Eve violated God's boundaries, they introduced sin into the entire human equation and we now have something to deal with that we've never had to deal with before. So what I want us to do today is put some practical things into application, to look at some Scriptures that are going to give us some practical tools that will help us to deal with this 
overwhelming, overriding issue that uh, most of the time we just live in denial about. So the first thing I want to say is we have to learn to look inside. We have to learn to look inside. What's the source of the sin problem in your life? Part of the way we're going to do that is we're going to have uh, we're going to have a closing. Any of you ever brought, bought a house before? You know what you do? You go out and you negotiate. You get your realtors to work all together. You come to agree on, on, the, on the terms. You get your financing in order. You make sure all the permitting's are right and the inspections are done. Blah, blah, blah. And then finally, you get the attorneys there, the title agent, and you go to the closing table. And when you, cl- when you sign on the dotted line, officially, legally, you now own it. And here's where one of the things I think we've failed to do. We have failed to own our sin. So today we need to have a closing. You and I need to go to the closing table with the sin that's already present in our lives and we need to own it. You know that nobody can make you sin? I would challenge any one of you to say that somebody else made me sin. Uh, This will age me. There was a comedian back in the <laughs> a decade or two ago called Flip Wilson. Uh, some of you with gray hair or no hair, you remember him. <laughs> and Flip, one of Flip's lines, one of his signature lines was, The devil made me do it. I didn't say it very good, but he said the devil made him do it. The devil made him do it. Well, guess what? The devil's a force in the world. But the devil doesn't make us do anything. The first thing we have to do is own our sin. I choose. I choose. When I'm dealing with sin, when I'm looking at the boundaries that God has placed in the world and in my life, and I violate those boundaries, I make a choice. And you need to make the, the, the you need to close the deal and um, own the fact that you choose to sin, to violate the boundaries of God. In Romans 3.23, actually the entire book of Romans and especially these first several chapters of the book of Romans talks about how we have all, <clears throat> we have all inherited this sin nature. Romans tells us that because of what happened with Adam and Eve, the sin nature was, was opened up to all of humankind and it passed on to us. And so when you and I were born, we were born with a sin nature. And Romans 3.23, which is a verse that a lot of us have heard for a lot of time, says, for all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We've all not lived up. We've not measured up on our own actions, our own attitudes to God's high standard. We need to own that fact. We need to know that that's, that's a truth about us and not live in denial about it. What's the, what's the, the uh, outcome of that? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. If you are a Christ follower, and if you have had that encounter with God where you have said, I receive what you have done for me, and I choose to trust you and believe you. You are a new creature. And what that means scripturally, and you'll find this in Romans and 1 Corinthians, scripturally, you are a new 
creature. That means that your old man, your old nature has been done away with and God has done something new inside of you. So now sin is not a part of your nature. It's an outside force that's working on you all the time, working to bring you down. So here's the important question for us to ask. Anytime you're dealing with sin, with confrontation in your life, with with the question to violate boundary, is it an internal force or an external force? It's an important question. Is it internal or external? Is there an external force being applied upon me to try to push me in a certain direction? Or is this an internal thing that I just can't beat? It's driving from within. This is an act of my own will. You see, because often we choose with an act of our own will to step right over the line and violate God's boundary. And God doesn't want that to happen. Uh, one of the things that the company I work for does is demolition. And there are two ways it can hit. We only do one kind of demolition. And the first picture that you'll see here is a, is a kind of a standard, uh, cheap way of doing demolition. You take an excavator into a building and you start gripping away at it and you just pull it down piece by piece and you load it up in the dump trucks and you haul it off to the dump or you put it in the grinder and grind it up into little bits or you take it to the scrapyard or whatever it is that you do. That's one way to deal with a problem. There's another way you can deal with a problem. You can set some, some explosives to go off inside and you can implode that thing. There are two ways to demolish something. Now, the second way, you think that's a little more effective in terms of immediate and thorough? So if we're going to deal with something in our life that needs to be taken care of, what's the best way for it to be dealt with? With some outside forces coming in and kind of clawing away at it a little bit at a time? Or for there to be a transformation, an explosion inside our being and demolish what needs to be get, gotten rid of? I would much rather have the implosion and get it over with. Now, granted, that may be a little more painful. It may do a little more extracurricular damage, pull some other things down with it. But there are, two, there are two ways to look at this. Number one, what's the force working at you? Is it an internal force or is it an external force? Is it an external force that's just kind of irritating and gnawing at you? Or is it an internal force that's driving you? And then the second thing is the solution. How do we deal with it? Do we deal with it by applying some outward pressure, which is what we often try to do because we use rules and regulations and man-made boundaries to try to fix an internal problem. And you see that we've, we've not used the proper tools to get the right solution. We have an internal problem that we need to deal with. It's a condition of our heart. It's an act of our will. We choose internally to violate God's boundaries. And so we need to deal with that on an internal level, not an external level. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, Jesus said these words, A house divided against itself will not stand. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. Internally, if you and I have a war going on inside, then we're going to be defeated from the inside out. We need to be singularly focused that we are going to follow God at all costs. And then and only then do we have the power and the tools that we need to walk in the, the victory that God wants us to walk in. Without that, we're setting ourselves up for failure ahead of time. Any of you know what this is? This is a dog collar. 
And it's a dog collar that they wear um, for, they put on dogs when they have an invisible fence that they put around their yard. And, and they put some sort of electric charge in that fence. And you, when the dog wears the collar, if he goes outside the boundary, if he starts to violate the boundary, well, the collar senses that and gives him a, uh, a nudge back in the proper direction. Um, these things are real. These things really do have a little charge to go with. Matter of fact, um, let's watch this. So uh, one of the, the more popular form of boundaries is property lines. And uh, my neighbor tries to keep me away. And uh, and so this, I'm a little nervous if you can't tell. This is how it's done. Here we go. Why Dan can hop off a stool and I'm the one that has to do this. Isn't it for his sermon? What a jerk. Alright, one more, one more. sent me a copy of that video midweek and I called Brad and I said, man, way to take one for the team. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. You don't want there to be external pressure causing you to make your decisions. You don't want to be reduced to a dog that's shocked when he violates the boundary. And God didn't set it up to be that way. He could have. God gave us a free will. God gave us the opportunity to follow Him and to make the choice to live within His boundaries. And unfortunately, it's just, it just doesn't work that way where it's such a clear and simple, you step across the line, ah! Sometimes we think it would be better that way, but that's not the way God set it up. It's not about external things. It's about internal choice. It's about an internal decision that you and I have to make that we're going to follow God, stay within His boundaries, Honor Him and live in His victory. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says again, if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. We don't do things the old way as Christ followers. We do things God's way. That's His plan. Alright, the second thing is, first one was look inside. The second one is look away. This one I think is really important for generationally for us to consider. I felt a quite a burden for some time that I've not done a good job of defending the fort. I've not done a good job of preventing the slippery slope. And let me, let me explain it this way. I think all of us have a responsibility to future generations to not allow further deterioration of society. Any of you that are 
at least out of your 20s. And I, I really, I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't even delineate it like that. I think most of us, if we were to, to look at things on a, on a grand scale, we would say the, the moral boundaries of society are in a process of deterioration. And as I say that, I'm looking at most of you out there saying, yes, yes, that's right. There is a moral deterioration. And it is incumbent upon us to stop that. Because if we don't stop it, who will? And I'm not saying just stop it by implementing a bunch of rules and regulations, by going to Congress and lobbying and making changes at that level only. I'm not saying that's what needs... I'm not talking about politically. I'm talking about internally. I'm talking about spiritually. You and I are the ones that God is counting on in this society, in this day, to hold the standard high. It's up to us to prevent the slippery slope from continuing to deteriorate. Ephesians 4.27 says this. As soon as they give it to me on screen, I'll read it. Ephesians 4.27. Next slide. Thank you. And do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. You know what? The devil wants to get just a toehold into your life. And then once he gets a toehold, he'll get a foothold. And once he gets a foothold, he'll just kind of ease his shoulder in the door. Once he gets his shoulder in the door, it's just one more step. And the devil's inside and he's in control. And you and I are the ones that have to stop that progression. We have to be the ones to stand firm and to not allow this to continue. I have five children. I have two grandchildren so far with a lot more to come. The world that they will inherit is already so much different than mine. I'm sorry, I'm going to just reveal something about us. We like to watch Andy Griffith and leave it to Beaver. And... um, And those times, simple times, last week, last Saturday, as I was preparing the message back in the bedroom, I came out a couple of times and Lucinda's sitting on the couch on a Saturday afternoon. She could do anything she wants to do and she's watching Andy Griffith and Leave it to Beaver on TV. And part of the reason for that is there's a longing for a better time. There's a longing for a simpler, cleaner, purer way of life. Life is so complex now and part of the reason that it's so complex and troublesome is because of the presence of sin and because of the moral deterioration that we have allowed into uh, society. And you and I, you and I, we can't point to anybody else. We can't look anywhere else and say it's their fault. We are the ones that have to hold the fort. It starts all kinds of different ways. You know, the devil gets a toehold and then a foothold. We, uh, we, we drop the bar. We lower our guard just a little bit and things continue to, de- to, to, de- to deteriorate. It's not the way it's supposed to be. James chapter 1, verses 13 to 15 says this, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You see the result of the downward spiral of the slippery slope? We give in to sin, and sin gives way to death. You and I have to choose to look away. There's a fascinating verse, and I don't have a slide for it, 
Proverbs chapter 22, verse 28, I wrote it down. It says this, Don't cheat your neighbor by moving the ancient boundary markers set up by previous generations. Proverbs 22, 28. Don't cheat your neighbor by moving the ancient boundary markers. Now what that's specifically referring to is what surveyors use. They put a boundary marker on the corner of the lot so you know where the boundaries are, where the property lines are. And one of the, one of the common things that they have to deal with is you could go out and actually pick that stone up and move it over a few feet and get a few more feet on your property line. Matter of fact, I know of a case where a contractor was installing um, a septic system. And septic systems have to be installed according to a benchmark. In other words, there's a height, a depth uh, of, of excavation where they have to put the tank in the ground. And the contractor was caught going over to the pole where the benchmark was and taking the nail out and moving it to a different location, putting a new hole in the pole, spray painting it around to make it look like it was exactly the same. He moved the ancient boundary stone. He moved the marker so that he could make his septic system compliant with the code, or so he thought he got caught. From a strictly property point of view, that's really easy to understand. But from a moral point of view... From a responsibility in society point of view, you and I are the ones that need to not cheat our neighbors or our children by allowing the ancient boundary markers, the ancient standards that God's Word has established for society, not allowing those to be moved. You and I, I love that verse. Don't allow the ancient markers to be moved. Don't cheat your neighbor by doing that. You will cheat your neighbor, you'll cheat your children, you'll cheat your grandchildren, you'll cheat society, you'll cheat this world when you refuse to stand your ground. When sin comes your way, look away. Go the other direction. The third thing I want to say is look down. I'm taking a piece of tape. Maybe. Taking a piece of tape and I'm putting it on the floor. For those of you listening to the audio and don't have the video, it's pretty complex stuff here. I just drew a line in the sand. Work with me. (laughs) I didn't want to bring in a sandbox and a stick. We have to draw a line in the sand. You and I need to say, God has established boundaries. God has put things in force, and you already know them. I could list them for you, a bunch of them. I could spend some time doing that, but I don't need to. You already know what they are. We've made the choices to violate God's boundaries, and we've taken the line in the sand that God had put there for us, and we've looked at it, and some of us said, yeah, and we step across the line. Or maybe some of us, of the type that we look at God's line and say, yeah, okay, I think I'll, I'll go back and get a run and leap and I'll jump over God's back. Well, <laughs> yeah. It's time we draw a line in the sand and say, I'm going to take responsibility and I'm not going to allow the further deterioration. I'm going to be the one to hold the fort. I'm going to be the one to say, enough is enough, no more. Am I trying to hang the weight of society's well-being on you? Little Cross Point Christian Church? I'm not trying to do something that God's not already done. Who do you think is supposed to do it if not you? 
Whether you turn, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21 says this, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. We need to develop enough relationship with God that we can look down and say, God, my feet are going down the path that you have put in place for me. This is the way to walk. Walk in it. Because God says so. Because God's Word says so. Because God's boundaries say this is the path of my life. And finally, I want to say to you, we need to raise the bar. We've got to look up and raise the bar. If we try to rely on our own strength to make a change in society, much less change ourselves, we're not going to be able to do it. You and I have got to find a way or make a choice to look up, to look to God from whence our strength comes, to look to the heavens. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, some of us are just going through life saying, I don't want no prize. I just want everybody to leave me alone. Let me do my own thing. When you, came, when you became a Christ follower, you didn't know, perhaps, that part of what your choice involved was a decision to walk with Christ and to now run the race of life with purpose and meaning. And I know some of us will say, well, come on, man, just leave me alone. I just want to be happy. Just give me enough money to put groceries on the table and have the cable working and everything's going to be cool. But deep down inside, if your life doesn't have meaning and purpose, you're living below who you're supposed to be and you are not happy about it. You can try to fool us. You can try to look the other way. But I know the truth is you're not happy about it. It's time that we all stood up and said, God, I want to run the race with you. I want to go for the prize of a full, victorious, abundant life in you. By staying within your boundaries, by walking your path, by adhering to your word. I wonder if today you're ready to draw a line in the sand, even if not for society. For your own life. Are you ready to say enough is enough? I hope, and again, if you need to go back and listen to last week, I hope that you don't hear me placing upon you a bunch of rules and regulations and thou shalts and thou shalt nots. Because that's not what this is about. This is not about just adhering to a set of rules and regulations. This is about living your life with life. This is about living your life with the fullness that God intended for you. That God destined for you. And as long as we choose to allow things to continue on the way they are, we're not making a difference in the world. We're not making a difference in our own lives. And things aren't going to get any better. It's time for all of us to raise the bar. It's time for all of us to look up. It's time for all of us to rise to His level standards that he's laid out for us to live. Will you stand with me? God, I pray that you will stir us up from the inside out. God, I pray that, that no words, 
will be used in a manipulatory fashion. I pray, God, that there will be no, um, no twisting of the arm, no guilt, none of that. I pray, God, that there will be a seed that's deep within each one of us, our Christ follower, that will break open and begin to bear fruit. I pray, God, you would, you would stir us up so that there's a hunger in us to know your word, so that there's a hunger in us to follow your spirit, so that there's a hunger in us to live within your boundaries and with underneath your blessing. God, I pray that you would raise up the people in this room to be Christ followers who change a generation. God, I pray that the adults here would not allow the the youth and the, the students, the children, to see them falter, to see them lower the bar. God, I pray that the teenagers in this room would not allow the children to see them lower the bar. And I pray the children in our midst, God, would see others around them that are raising the bar and holding the standard high and pressing on for the prize following You. God, I pray You'd stir us all up to honor You in ways beyond what we've ever done. In Jesus' name I pray.